Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, hold way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. asking Lacey if she noticed a difference between her first, second, and third pregnancy. I mean, obviously the first is like so leisurely because you have nothing to do. You literally come home, you could do whatever the heck you want because there's nobody else to take care of except like your dog and your husband. And then yeah. the second time I felt like I was a little more tired, but I was also chasing an 18 month old, but like mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad. And then this time, I don't know if I'm more tired or Lacey was saying like, if you just don't have time to rest or part of me thinks like I'm tired earlier in the pregnancy. Mm. That's what I noticed. Like I wasn't this tired after work or at work until like maybe 30 weeks, you know, and now I'm like 17 and I am dead by three o'clock. I mean, I'm literally I have to take a nap in my car every day I pick my kids up <laughs> before <sighs> I pick them up from daycare. And so I'm like, is it that? Honestly, part of me thinks that it's the masks because I'm like double masked all day at work. I'm definitely short of breath this pregnancy sooner, but I think a lot of it has to do with the masks. Like I am so, I am winded and tachycardic at work all the time. And I'm like, is it because I'm breathing my own CO2 all day that I'm so sleepy by like 3 p.m.? Or I don't know. I mean, I'm like legitimately dead. <laughs> and um, I was just asking Lacey if she felt the same way with her third pregnancy because I, I mean, I feel like it's a noticeable difference. Maybe because I am older. I'm like almost five years older than when I had Michael. So I'm sure that, but it's not like I'm 80, you know? No. Wouldn't like, that be a miracle? That would be written about in like science magazines. That's how I would leave my legacy. Yeah. So I feel like sure. so can relate though. Oh yeah. I I felt like, yeah, like you said, with your first pregnancy, it's like like you think it's tiring. And then like you realize that how not tiring it was because it just keeps getting worse, you know? And then, but like, yeah, I remember being just exhausted my first pregnancy and like, I would come home from work and like fall asleep and then my husband would make dinner and then I would maybe wake up and eat dinner and then I would go back to sleep again, basically. Mm-hmm. And then but that was like all my pregnancies. I had like real, like just exhaustion at the very beginning in like that first trimester. And so it kind of felt like, with the second pregnancy, it was just like I was so tired that my husband ended up taking more care of my son at that point. And so like it was almost like a transition point from like 
baby to toddler. And then from like, I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but like between my first and second pregnancy, my husband like really took a larger role with our son for bedtime and stuff like that because I would like go to bed at the same time as our toddler. And then with my third pregnancy, it was kind of the same. And so my husband ended up like bonding more with our daughter at that time than he was before because I would go to bed essentially at the same time as my two toddlers then. And so, yeah, but as for like which one was like most tiring, it's so hard to know, like, is it because you're not getting enough rest or is it because your body's older and not like, like you're not able to like have the like reserve that you used to, or is it the masks? Like sometimes I wonder that, like when I wear an N95 all day long at work and it's like, it changes like how I breathe, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And so it may not be that I'm like, like retaining CO2, like the way that people think of retaining CO2, but like, it might be that I've like, I know that like I change the way that I breathe when I have that mask on snug. And so like, is that causing me, because I don't know, sometimes when I've been in a case that's eight, 10 hours long, and then we don't have many 10 hour long cases, I'll say eight, eight hour long case. And then you know, you get home and like, I just want to fall asleep on the drive home because I'm so tired. And so, yeah, yeah. where it's the CO2. And like, I feel like when I wear the N95, I catch myself all day mouth breathing. Yes. Yes. And like, I can't even like breathe out of my nose. And like, I talk all nasally. Yeah. I feel like I'm like exerting some kind of new energy because I mean, I know what you're talking about the first trimester. Like you're, you're just physically exhausted. You can barely move. I feel like I'm like dragging from room to room. And then second trimester, usually you get like this burst of energy, which I do Mm -hmm. have like physically I have a burst, you know, or like even mentally, I feel like I'm full of energy, but like the days I wear the N95, which is every single day. Yeah. I feel like there's like a curtain that gets pulled down over my head by like 3 p.m. And I'm just like, is this normal for the third pregnancy or is it the mask? I think it's the mask. I really do think so. Because I'm It could definitely play a part. The CO2 is putting me to sleep. I'm short of breath because I like, I feel like I'm inhaling it half the time when I'm breathing. Mm, And and mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is, this is a whole nother level. I should not be this exhausted by 17 weeks. (laughs) I've got a long way to go. So I got to figure something out. This is another reason why healthcare is so tough right now. You know, yes, everything's tough right now everywhere, but I envy my husband who gets to work from home and like breathe normal air and go to the bathroom whenever he damn well pleases. Yeah. Yeah. Can drink water at his desk. I know he could just do whatever kind of a life is that. I don't even understand what it's (laughs) get it. My mother-in-law just got the approval to work from home, like starting soon, I guess. And I'm like, she's like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to freaking love it. What could you not like about it? I mean, like, I get that you don't go to the office and see people, whatever, go to, go to the grocery store and see a few faces. But from like, just the freedom standpoint, I feel like I would love to just not double mask, triple mask all day, every day, you know, run around work my tail off, wake up at 5am. You know, it's just 
like provides your life a little bit more freedom. And like, it's hard right now because we're living with our in-laws and my husband's locked away in the basement working. So he doesn't really like get windows, but I feel like it's nice because on the nice days it goes outside and work. <laughs> He's like in a little prison in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. But on nice days, like he can go sit outside and work and like get some vitamin D and just like eat when he wants to and take a break when he wants to and take a nap when he wants to, you know, it's just a life that I don't know, but I sometimes feel like, you know, it's that like grass is always greener thing, you know? Oh yeah. I definitely like find myself. So my husband works from home too. And I definitely like, I'll be walking to the cafeteria and I'll walk past these like financial services offices on my way there. And I'm like totally envious of these like people with their desk job. And I was no, like, not God, to have a desk job, you're not open on Christmas day. Like you don't have to even worry about it. And like, you can go to the bathroom whenever you want. You can eat lunch whenever you want. You get to eat lunch. Like... Yeah, like you can you can drink water. Like I find myself like I'm sure like every CRNA or anesthesiologist or who you know any OR person listening to this is gonna like relate because it's like that cycle of like like when am I gonna pee next? And so it's like yeah. especially when I was pregnant, but it's like you're so thirsty, so then you end up like chugging a bunch of water on your break, and then like you don't get another break for too long in between, and so then you're like. Am I going to have a like break between these cases so that I can go to the bathroom before like it's lunchtime or can I not chug all this water even though I'm so thirsty that I could totally chug all this water? Yeah. <laughs> do you do that too? Oh my God, totally. It's a complete cycle of dehydration versus like urination. Overhydration. <laughs> then you come home and you're so dehydrated that like they say that by the time you feel thirst, you're hours behind. And I'm like parched when I come home. So oh, yeah, chugging water then, which is not good in general with my pea-sized bladder, but on top of that, now I'm like pregnant. So then you I have a little baby on top of your pea-sized bladder. Yeah. So then I'm up all night peeing and then I don't sleep and then I'm tired and I wonder why I'm tired. And then like this thing starts over and the mouth breathing and the masks make you more parched because you're so dried out and you're just chugging. It's, it is just Healthcare right now, and I'm not complaining because we're lucky to have a job. I'm just acknowledging, like, everyone who's going through this, we hear you and we feel you and we see you and we understand you. And my goodness, one day we will get through this. But until then, we're all going to be mouth breathing, parched, <laughs> exhausted, breathing our own CO2, narcotizing ourselves with it. Um, it's just a very, very it's becoming very challenging right now for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I understand why a lot of people don't want to go back to work to deal with this, but part of me is like, well, I had to, I didn't have a choice, you know? So I yeah. don't be about that, but that's probably my pregnancy hormones. So, um, our lovely listeners may have noticed that Crystal is not chiming in on this episode and, uh, she wanted us to pass on what Ellen she said I'm sure she's sitting at home totally agreeing with us though oh for sure yeah she's probably got her own pea-sized bladder stories <laughs> no. so she wanted us to pass on to you all that uh just this week she's having a hard time with chemo and balancing chemo working full-time and just not having any time to recover from her weekly treatments so um She's currently neutropenic, which is not helping things. So 
She is taking the week off, but she sends her love to you all, and I know that she will be back as soon as she can. So if you, I don't know what everyone's belief system is, but whatever your belief system is, if you want to, you know, harness that spirit, power, prayer, and uh, just keep Crystal in your hearts and minds, I feel like, honestly, if anybody deserves to win 2020, it's Crystal. Like, she not only goes all out for our CRNA mom group, she goes all out on this podcast, she goes all out for her family, her job, and now she's facing this huge internal battle. And so we just, we keep her in our thoughts and prayers. And if our listeners would do that, we would, that would really mean a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to immediately stop complaining because I just like you totally humbled me and made me realize I have nothing to complain about. Um, So we send Crystal our love, but Lacey and I wanted to hop on today and talk about um, the social dilemma, right? Yes. That, it, it was on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a documentary on Netflix about the impact that social media has had on our lives thus far. Um, so you, I don't know if you watched it first or if I watched it first, but we kind of like talked about it that right away that we should watch it and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and what do you think of it overall? So I, I'll admit that I only watched half and, you know, I remember being really in, intrigued to watch it because a bunch of people were saying like, like, I don't know if I'm sure everybody saw this where like friends were like, okay, I'm sorry, I watched Social Dilemma. Now I'm leaving Facebook. Like, I can't do this. Like, I'm leaving Facebook. And so I was like, what do they talk about in this thing? And, you know, knowing I didn't find the, the movie to be anything like surprising, you know, there was no like groundbreaking thing for me. But then at the same time, like I have studied Facebook ads. I've studied like how our group works. I've studied like how, like, so I feel like I know a not a lot, but like a decent amount of like social media and the intricacies of it. And so I didn't find it to be like truly groundbreaking, but there was like some points in there. I remember this quote that was like, everybody thinks that data is the product, but ultimately like you, the user are the product. Like we, the people are the product because it's all about trying to lead us down the path that they want us to go. And that's with advertising. That's with the way Facebook has built its app so that we interact with it. And when they send us notifications, how they send us notifications, all of that. And so, you know, I guess if there was like one like takeaway from that, it was like, it's not the data that everyone's after. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with you. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't surprised by any of it. None of it was new information to me. Like I, it, there's nothing that they said in there that I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Really? You mm-hmm. know, like, I feel like I knew this already that social media has taken over our world. I feel like the people that got off Facebook as a result of social dilemma really either were living under a rock or maybe are just very naive in thinking that it's just a platform to catch up with your friends on. But just having like built a few businesses on social media and like you studied it and its algorithm and how it works and why it works and like all the you know, components that go into even your presence 
and that mm-hmm. you don't determine that they determine based on your activity and your connections and your relationships. And I mean, like everything on there, um, none of it was surprising to me. I think if anything, it really just helped solidify in my mind that the reason we are going through so many crazy things in our world right now is because people look to social media as their source of information. Yes. Like that yes. to me stood out the most that I hoped not, I mean, I knew this, mm-hmm. but I hoped that everyone who watched it, maybe a light bulb would go off and they would say, maybe I should stop consuming my news from Facebook. Yes. Because half of it is fake news. Half of it is what they want you to see. And well, not, I, there's not three halves to something. There's two halves. But you know, and the other part of it is their financially, their interests are with certain political groups or celebrities or whatever. And they're bought basically to show mm-hmm. you things that they're told to show you whether or not that's real or fake or, you know, whatever political agenda or social agenda there is in showing you that it just made me realize how many people don't understand that what you see on social media is not real news and how Mm -hmm. dangerous it is to think that that is reality or real news or, you know, if that's your only source of consuming world news or national news, how dangerous that could really be because they start to control your thinking. Yes. Like if they only push one agenda on you, it's propaganda. And it, and it just consumes your thoughts and forms your thought process or your beliefs or your, you know, preferences or whatever in one direction that they control, which is crazy to think that someone has that kind of control over you. But when everybody's on there all day, every day, and they don't take the time to go read, you know, news on BBC or on NPR or on, or on other non-partisan, non, you know, social media controlled sources, that's where the danger comes in. And I think that the people that didn't understand or realize that in the first place are the ones that got really freaked out by it, maybe because they saw it in themselves. Yeah. You know? I think that people also along those same lines don't really understand. And I didn't understand this until like after the 2016 presidential election, but like exactly how search engine optimization works with, you know, like if all of us, anybody listening to this podcast at at any time, if any of us were to Google the exact same thing, we would all get different results based on our history and things that we've Googled before. So, you know, it just like that in itself steers people into silos of thought because it's giving you what you're asking for, but it's also giving you what it thinks you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, you like usually we think of things as like a question and having like the same answer but in this case the answer is dependent on the person right and so i think like that was kind of a hard concept for me to realize and then also like really eye opening for me and i think as people learn about that it really gets like 
like people start to question, you know, like the world around them in the news. Because like if a Republican were to Google, or I shouldn't say Republican, but like, I don't know, if a Republican were to Google like who won the 2020 election, they might get a different name than if a Democrat were to Google who won the 2020 election based on their search history and the websites that they frequent and the people that they're connected with and the businesses that they're connected with. All of these things are interconnected. And so um, I just think that that, you know, just helps it just like, you're right. It made more sense to me as to like how we got in the situation in the first place. Like we've been essentially trained to be in these silos of thought and there is no real intermixing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it freaks people out because everyone likes to think like, you know, I go on and I choose what I show, but really it almost is like, you're not in control. You are controlled. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, got really scary to people to realize, um, especially if they're, you know, utilizing it in certain ways. I mean, did it change anything for you in terms of like how you use social media? You know, I was just thinking that question, like, right as you were asking it, (laughs) but, um, you know, I think for me, it's didn't necessarily, but you know, because I'm thinking about like one of our, like the main ways that I use social media is our Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about like how much value and how much good has come Mm -hmm. from that group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but then like, I do notice things like my husband, um, gets upset sometimes when I'm like on my phone doing something and it'll be like, I, I do feel like I have an entirely different world inside my phone where there's like, at this point, thousands of people that I'm interacting with on a daily basis. And so it's like, it's, it is hard. It, it does make you, it made me like give pause, but it didn't necessarily like change the way that I like used social media or like the way that I put content out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I, um, maybe not realized this particular thing a long time ago, but I noticed a long time ago that there's a lot of negativity bred on social media. And a lot of it comes from this stuff that they're feeding us purposely mm-hmm. almost to get you you know, get a rise out of people, make them argue, make the comment sections blow up so that they can like manipulate you more. So I really made a conscious decision to only go on social media to either add value to people's lives in whatever way, share something that I learned, you know, educate, um, build a brand and monetize it. Like if they're going to try to control me, I'm going to just take their algorithm and spin it to make me money. And that has been my goal and it's worked. And so, or I do that, or I, you know, catch up with people in our group where I feel like the most value gets added and I really feel like I get the most personal, um, you know, non-monetary benefit from that. Like it feeds my soul and Mm -hmm. I keep up with friends and family. But if you think about it, you're not even in control of what friends you see. Nope. Like some people you're friends with, you never see their stuff and it's because of what they're doing or not doing and Facebook considers them relevant or irrelevant. 
whether or not you want to see them doesn't matter. So I made a decision a long time ago to focus on positive things, avoid the negativity, avoid the negative people, avoid topics that create arguments, like avoid making statuses about, you know, crazy political, religious beliefs or your thoughts about whatever that's going to get an argument started because first of all, it hurts my algorithm and I need my algorithm to accomplish what I need business-wise, but it just doesn't help you like socially and mentally and emotionally right now, especially during 2020 when everyone's already so isolated and really facing a lot of mental health struggles. I think sometimes social media can really worsen those significantly. I agree. And, you know, you do raise a really good point about, you know, social media, especially like let's specify Facebook here because Instagram is different in this way, but social media, Facebook is really focused on interactions, likes, especially comments. And so things that generate a lot of comments rise to the top. The things that tend to generate the most comments are the really negative, the, you know, very like derogatory, the outlandish, the like, the really like in your face political things, the negative, like all of those things just tend to rise to the top. So that becomes the first thing that you see. And if you are interacting with those things and reacting in a like a comment, you know, and then getting into that whole debate, you're just asking for more of that. And so that's where it's like, if you just like scroll past, don't interact with that, eventually that stuff will fall off your page. But if you have a lot of friends who are all interacting in this same way, you're going to see that more. It's going to pull you into interact with it more because Facebook doesn't necessarily care what, doesn't care what it's about. They, they don't. They just want you interacting with it. And so whatever gets you to interact the most is what they're going to show you first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And exactly. if, yeah. Yeah. Facebook does not want you to get off of Facebook. So no. It's going to lead you away from it. They're not happy with that. And so, like you said, and that's what, that's the thing. Like most people are like, oh, the only thing I see on Facebook is negativity, but that's because you're interacting with it and they're going to continue showing it to you. I never see negativity anymore because I literally don't interact with those people. I think they've either dropped off the face of the earth or Facebook just does not show me them anymore, um, which I'm grateful for. But that's, I think a lot of it is people think you have no control. You do have control. Um, You know, they control what you see, but you have control of whether or not you allow it to continue based on your interaction with their stuff they're presenting to you, you know? Um, Yeah. And you can like knowledgeably manipulate the algorithm to your benefit in that way where it's like only interact with the posts that you want to see. Don't interact with the people, you know, you, even if you don't want to like unfriend them, but it's like stop interacting with negativity if you don't want to see the negativity. Um, and then, but I think Instagram is different in this way. And maybe because I don't use Instagram as much as I use Facebook and I definitely don't use it in the same way, but I feel like Instagram is much more of like, it feels like a business platform more than a like personal platform. Like Instagram is very much about your brands that you're putting out there, whether you're a person or a business, it's all business essentially. And it's all a brand, but I feel like it doesn't breed that same sort of negativity there. And you don't have the same sort of political debates. And I think it's largely 
the way the platform is built in terms of like the comment section is important, but it's also really hard to like go back and like rifle through all the comments and reply. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they really hit the nail on the head when they focused on the pictures, the grid videos, stuff like that, because Mm -hmm. Facebook focuses on that big white square of words that you can type and people go wild. They literally lose all filters and they just lose their minds and go crazy and type up all kinds of stuff. Um, whereas Instagram, no matter what you click on, you'll see a grid of pictures. You don't even see the comment or, or the caption until you go specifically to that picture. So I really like how they did it. I think that's why they are probably almost more successful than Facebook. And if not yet, they will be. Well, Instagram is owned by Facebook now. They're owned by it. But that platform is, you know, they brought stories. Yep. Stories, the most pivotal platform so far. I mean, I know that TikTok picked up and reels and stuff, but even that is, you know, more like image and video based and the caption. Not about the comments. Yes. And Facebook really highlights the comment section when you're like scrolling through a post too. And so, whereas in Instagram, it's really like, I don't know, I find it very like not hard to read, but like you can't like follow an argument as what, you know what I mean? Like it's harder to like trace all of that. And so, which is good because then it like, I don't know. I find that I'm sure someone in our audience is listening to this going like, I see Instagram fights all the time, but like, I don't feel like I see nearly the Instagram like altercations as you do on Facebook where there's like the really divisive, like political or, you know, medical or something debates that happen. I feel like Facebook became the new Twitter, but like with more characters allowed. They just go on Twitter and like, freak out and write these crazy statuses but they were limited to like 140 characters I think but Facebook doesn't limit you to 140 they let you go on and on and on and on and on so pages yeah I feel like Facebook has become the new Twitter for like unhinged people (laughs) and Instagram is so much more soothing to even scroll because all you see is pictures like Mm-hmm. You know, people aren't on there to broadcast their thoughts and feelings. If they write a caption, it's typically something small to go along with the picture or they're at, I feel like people on Instagram add a lot more value too. That's the thing that I was going to say is I feel like I do read long captions, but it's usually like, like there's a few like Instagram accounts that I follow that really do add a lot of value. Like one is about like parenting of toddlers. And so like, they'll have like a, like phrase or something in their, in their picture. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a couple words, but like, like, I know that like, if I click on that caption, it's going to teach me something. Yeah. And so I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. I want to hear from our viewers. though. if you guys are listening to this, you know, what are your thoughts? If you've first of all seen the social dilemma, what were your thoughts? Were you surprised by it? Were you, was it nothing new to you? Has your practice changed at all? And then what social platform do you prefer? And kind of tell us why or why not. You know, you can leave us a review. You can write us on um, Facebook. We're at Hey Smart Mamas. We are Hey Smart Mamas. I mean, um, on Instagram, we're uh, Scrub Taps and CB Cups on Facebook. You can private message us. I want to hear from our listeners for sure, because obviously, even in the world of podcasts, like that counts too. That's Mm -hmm. consumption of maybe not social media, but 
an alternate kind of media that gives everybody a platform and everybody a voice now that Mm -hmm. before you didn't have, I mean, literally anybody could start a podcast and we did. did. (laughs) Yeah, really. So, and, and that gets dangerous too, because it's like consumption of all of that. Is it news? Is it opinion? You know, is it real? Is it fake? How do you vet like your news sources, you know? Yeah, definitely. What do you go to for your news typically? So I typically check the, for our local news, I look at like our local news station in town. And then I go to Minnesota Public Radio. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that they post. You know what I mean? Like they sometimes lean a way that I don't always lean, but I do find them to be like a reputable, like actual news. And then I go to the national NPR or BBC tend to be my like go-to sources. Yeah, me too. I agree. I think they're the most informative and nonpartisan news sources. But honestly, this year I've just been avoiding the news. Oh, I know. I feel like, so this is going to sound terrible, but like, I feel like I've been avoiding the news for the last like four years. I just, it's so disheartening that I'm like, I just, uh, it's been really hard to, to like, yeah, give it a lot of my. see anything on there that is remotely, like that improves my life. Yeah. You know, it always just like puts some kind of bad thought or vibe or feeling in my head and freaks me out. Yes. <laughs> something. And, and so need that right now. And to our listeners, yes, like we do pay attention to the news and know what's going on in our world. And, and yes, that is really important to do. But, you know, if I would rather not scroll through the news sometimes, sometimes I see it and I'm like, like, I know what this headline's going to, like, get into, and I'm like, you know, like, that's as much as I need to know about this topic. And so, but yes, it's important to be an informed citizen. It's important to vet your news sources appropriately, and we hope that everyone does that. We want to, I think, Ellen, that we should do, like, either a poll in our Instagram stories that talks, like, do you like Instagram or Facebook better? And I think that we should read some of our, like, we'll pick one reader and we'll read your comments on the next podcast episode. Because we we really do want to hear what you have to say. And we really do value, you know, your opinions. And I feel like we're, like, you're not responding back to us, listener, but I feel like we're having this conversation with you, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think that would be great. I think... I'd be interested to see what Crystal has to say about this, but I think she's pretty much probably on board with us on, on the whole uh, social media thing. Cause I know she tries to keep as much negativity out as possible. She hates negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when people try to take advantage of you. So yeah, I definitely feel like she'd be on board. Are you ready for Christmas? Switching things up a little? Yes. I feel like we're further along than we've been in the past. We still have some gifts left to get, and but pretty much everything is like in the mail or here. But the really like shocking thing is that we have pretty much all our presents wrapped and under the tree, or Santa presents wrapped and hidden. 
And uh, usually we take like Christmas Eve and stay up till like all hours of the night wrapping and putting them under the tree and the kids get really excited. And this year we did that like two weeks ago. <laughs> and so they're just like sitting under the tree. It's, it's actually fun. But then like, you know, there are other like fails that I've had. For example, we just finalized our newborn photos for our seven month old baby. And we'll, <laughs> Ellen's laughing, <laughs> and we'll be getting them back maybe before Christmas so that we can order cards. Them, right? Yeah. Oh my God, I thought you meant you just took them. I'm like, oh no, not like a newborn anymore. <laughs> no, no, it. no. We just like finalize them so that we can get them back from the photographer. So for seven months, this lady's been like, crazy family, can I please just finish this account? And we're like, yeah, 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 we'll get there. But uh, I know. So, you know, birth announcements, I don't know. Um, But yeah, so there's definitely like things that we're lacking on. So even though we've got presents under the tree, like we got other dumpster fires to put out. It's so funny. I feel like you should just send out a Christmas card, like, but send it after the new year and say, oh yeah, we had a kid. (laughs) (laughs) That could be your birth announcement. Yeah. Here's our Christmas card. We're late. We also had a kid. Sorry. (laughs) So this is what I'm thinking. Like everyone hates 2020, right? By this point, 2020 is like a curse word. So if we just send out happy new year cards instead of 2020 Christmas cards, like when, you know, I mean, right, right. Like somebody will buy it maybe. Right. (laughs) For sure. I didn't do even do Christmas cards this year. I I'm telling you, I am just tired of this. Yeah. I'm just tired. Like, I normally would be all wrapped by now, and this year I'm like, when is Christmas? Oh yeah, next week. Oh yeah, it is next week. I like. I'm I'm totally thrown by that. I'm just not interested in wrapping right now. Maybe next week. (laughs) And (laughs) just nothing is at the level it normally is. I don't know if it's because I'm displaced. I'm not in my own house, or like if it's the year, or if it's the pregnancy, just making me so blah. But I'm just. I'm just not interested in wrapping yet. <laughs> I think we are done with gifts and stuff, but we're only doing kids. Are you guys, you and Michael doing each other? Yeah. So we tend to do gifts for each other. I think I talked about this last year on the podcast actually, yeah. where like we, I always end up feeling like it becomes an arms race mm-hmm. where it's like, I buy or, or he buys a present and puts it under the tree. And then I'm like, oh, like, oh, there's more presents for me than there is for him. So I need to go buy him some more. And then he sees the same and does the same. And so then, oh, and then it just becomes this like present like pile. And then it's just like, it ends up being like stupid stuff, like measuring cups and (laughs) things that's like, I don't know. It's like, those don't need to be wrapped. So yes, we do get each other presents and I'm happy with that. But we try you know, we try to keep things low key and we don't do presents like other times of the year. So I don't really get a Mother's Day present and I don't get like a birthday present and we don't do anniversary gifts and anything like that. So like my Mother's Day present is usually a plant that is like a flower. It's a flower, yeah. but it's a 
plant flower that I can then put in the garden outside. <laughs> right. I hear you. Useful um, presence. I feel like we just are not present people in general. Like I don't ever expect them. And I know people are like, Oh yeah, you say that, but I truly don't like I legitimately, if I want something, I just go buy it or mm-hmm. if it's near, you know, birthday or something. I'll say, Hey, I want this, but I I really don't expect gifts. I feel like I'm hard to buy for anyway, just because I don't want anything mm-hmm. ever. I can and totally I, relate to you there. Yeah. And my husband's the same way. Like if he wants something, he buys it. And then like, what am I going to get him? So I feel like we always focus on, you know, like either going somewhere nice or not in this year, traveling somewhere or like making memories more. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we can't do any of that. So, but we're, obviously building a house and having a baby and like all these expenses coming out for that house. So we decided no gifts for the two of us at all this year, like ugh, zero. Mike's like stocking stuffers too. Right. And I'm like stocking stuffers too. Nothing like, <laughs> from you. Nothing. So we're focusing only on the kids this year and I'm really excited about it because it took a load off. Like it's always so hard. What the heck do you get people? I hate shopping for gifts it, unless I, like know what somebody wants or needs, then I'm excited to get it and gift it to them. But mm-hmm. when you don't, and when you're only getting it because it's some holiday that says you have to get something, I'm like, this is so stressful, you yeah. know? Cause then you feel like you're just buying something they don't need. And it's just a waste for everyone. I'm a really like pleasant person on this podcast, by the way, <laughs> negative. Oh, you're good. Yeah. As Ellen's talking about how she stays away from all the negative. No, I'm just kidding. I know. Um, of negative today it's awful well no but it's like it's so true and like you know i mean gift giving and gift receiving are like some people's love language it's not our love language for either of us and so i'm right there with you on gift giving i also like have a hard time with like my husband buying me presents in that like it's still your money and so it's like like I wouldn't like go buy myself this super expensive thing and it feels weird to have him buy it for me because yeah. <laughs> really I still kind of bought it. So yeah. it's like, cause we like have joint money. Yeah. And so it's like not a like, like treat. It's like, oh, well we like didn't need to spend that much money on that thing. You know what I mean? Right. And so right. it just like, it feels, it kind of has taken a lot of the like, fun out of getting gifts and then it's like at this point in my life like I have everything that I could possibly like need my needs are met my wants you know that list is as long as you know the CRNA moms keep making it I know know. but it's like it's so it's like hard also like my parents really want to get me like nice presents and things that you know that I will like and it's like but they don't need to do that. And I don't need that from them. And I don't so I, what to tell people to get me though. Like that's oh, I know. my issue. Yeah. I truly don't even want anything. And I don't know if that's because, I mean, I've always been that way. My mom tells me like ever since I was little, I never wanted anything or asked for anything. And she always used to think I was like scared of her or something to ask, but I really just don't, I don't know if I like don't watch commercials enough to know what's out there. But I really, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I just don't like, what do I need? There's one thing that I want that I like, I want in theory, but if Mike actually bought it for me, I'd be pissed because 
like you said, it's our money and it's way too much money for this stupid thing. But that Dyson hair wrap thing, <laughs> I'm intrigued by it. So like I want, huh? but not for $500 because it's still no. a blow dryer. Yeah. Like, and it's like, if, if it was worth, you know, if I had to spend $500 on something, I would do it, but I'm never going to buy a blow dryer for $500. So like, that's the one thing where like, if I could, if it was on sale for like 200, I would want that. But I will net, if he got me that, he was like, do you want me to get you that for Christmas? I'm like, no, I would be pissed off at you if you spent $500 on a blow dryer that I probably won't use anyway because I never blow dry my hair. You know? Yeah. Well, so how do you feel about the car commercials every Christmas time where it's like somebody surprises their loved one with a car? And I'm like, you didn't discuss a big financial purchase like this? Like, what the hell? Like, I I would be livid. I mean, my husband would never do that because he would also be livid if I did that. So it's like... And like, I mean, I would be livid if somebody bought me a car for Christmas. Like, that is a huge financial decision that you discuss as a partner. Like- I know. I guess. Okay. So here's two thoughts on that. One, those people have zero financial concerns and can just like buy cars and not care, which. Well, I mean, I they're actors on the TV. So. No, no. I mean, people who, who this would apply to. Yep. Yep. Or yep. it's like a, one of them is the worker in the family and makes all the money and the other one doesn't, but maybe like takes care of the kids or does like a lot of work at home, doesn't bring in an income. So that's how they reward them because again, they have all the money in the world. They don't care. So maybe those are the two situations, but like if I'm out there busting my butt working and my husband's busting my butt work, busting his butt working and he comes home with like an Escalade for me, I would promptly return it. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd be, like, be livid. We can go live in that car. <laughs> but we're not keeping this. You know what I mean? Like I'm just not somebody who plus like I didn't pick the color. I didn't get a chance to drive it. How do you know I'm gonna like it? It just seems very irresponsible. <laughs> it's a like long-term purchase too. I mean, it's like, I mean, yes, I know there are people who trade in their cars every year, but it's like you still have to like use it for a considerable length of time. Like it's not like a shirt that you can wear twice and then not wear again. And it's totally okay. Like it's your car. Yeah, I know. I agree with you there. I'm always like, who's doing that? I mean, I can see parents doing that for a teenager, like for Christmas, getting them a car, but you're a teenager and you don't make the money in the house. So like, you don't get to say, no, we can't buy this for me. And you're not going to get a new Lexus, at least from me. (laughs) Some kids do. Yeah. Yeah. That is one situation where I could see that. But I mean, like, yeah, people who say my husband bought me a car for my birthday, I'm like, you didn't notice $50,000 exiting your bank account? (laughs) Well, yeah. And then what happens to your other car? Like, does it just go missing one day? Yeah. Can somebody please get in contact with us? (laughs) This has ever happened to you. Can you break this down for us? How does this logistically work where you don't realize your old car is gone and you have a new car, and you also don't notice that a giant lump sum of money is missing. I'm truly interested. I can't imagine someone pulling this off and me being like, oh, I didn't even know my car was gone. Like, you didn't even get a chance to empty it. Do you know how much crap I have in my car? (laughs) This is getting really intense. I'm really nervous. This is really intense. (laughs) 
I'm still so upset that she missed this conversation. Oh my god, I can like hear Crystal listening to this later being like, well, you guys, like, I know. I just, I don't think her husband has ever bought her a car. If he has, we'll hear about it. I'm actually interested. Like, if this has ever happened to you, please get in touch with us. I'm dying to know how this, how logistically this works. And how you felt about it. Like, were you, like, super cool? I got a new car. Like, yeah, or were you super I mean, pissed? Like, that's not even the car I wanted. Yeah. Where's my stuff for my old car? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's- And where do they get those big bows? I always wondered that. <laughs> I, I bet the dealership gives them out to people. Yeah. I don't or know. they're just for the commercial. I don't know. Have you ever, like, seen one in real life? I mean, like I've never seen like driven down the road and seen like a car with a giant bow on top in someone's driveway. Like no, never, never. I mean, I would just buy one of those sticky bows that come in a huge bag for Halloween. <laughs> Pop that on the trunk. Yeah. Like, here's your gift. Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, I don't know. We should wrap up though. Yeah, we definitely should. Thanks for sticking with us for this episode. <laughs> I'm really confused now. Oh, hopefully you got a, a nice little laugh there at the end. Um, but thank you for listening. And we are the Scrubcast and Sippy Cups podcast. As Ellen had said, you can find us at Hey Smart Mamas on Instagram. Our Facebook page is Scrubcaps and Sippy Cups. We each have our own Instagram accounts as well. Mine is at Miss MS Lacey Lynch. And Ellen is... I'm just at Ellen Laletta. And at, Crystal? Yeah, Crystal's changed hers to um, at STL underscore injector. Yes. So find us there. Please rate, review, share the podcast with your friends and could, like reach out to us. Seriously, we love hearing from you guys. So send us a message, share your experiences with us about social dilemma or even about getting or giving cars. And yeah, if anybody's gotten a car, like we expect to hear from you. We expect you in our inbox yeah. ASAP. Yeah, really. And if you want to hear from any specific guests or any topics you want us to cover, um, drop us a note and we will definitely, definitely address it. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging with us. And until next time. Yep. Talk to you later.